My man, I am so glad uh, to have you on. I'm so glad we're doing this and so many questions that I have for you. But for the people who are listening and who have no idea who you are and what you do, how would you describe it to them? Yeah, thanks, Mark. My name is Jordan Godby. I'm the founder of Growth Community, and I help experts monetize their audience and monetize their expertise through community building. We've known each other at this point now for 10 years, 10 plus years, actually. And yeah. I'm trying to remember which city did we first meet up in? Uh, was it DC or was it somewhere else? I think it was first in DC when I drove to your house for a random cocktail party get together thing. Sounds about right. And yeah. then after that, uh, maybe like a few months later in Atlanta. Mm, uh, yes, because I was I, somewhere in my head. I was just like, I know we've done multiple cities. It's been a while, uh, and and it's really cool to have just seen the different evolutions of your consultancy, your business models, and everything, which I think is actually going to be a fantastic place for us to start. If you had to take us through a high level of how you got to where it is that you are now, what does that even look like? <laughs> a lot of putting one foot in front of the other mm. and just going deep. So the the backstory would be in college, uh, was always kind of a, a computer guy and was living in France actually for a couple of years, finishing up my last few years of school. Couldn't really work locally. So I resorted to the internet and I'm like, I got to find a way to make this internet thing put dollars in my bank account. So I started going hard on SEO and I just found it to be unbelievable that anybody in the world can play this SEO game for free and go head to head with the biggest companies in the world and actually outrank them and have your little page that maybe you wrote by hand with HTML ranking higher than these, you know, Fortune 500 companies. And so to me, that was incredible. What an opportunity and power that's in the reach of everyone. And I just started selling that skill. So I tried monetizing it a couple different ways through things like Google AdSense and, and affiliate marketing. But then I realized that, you know, those times, those things, a lot of times they pay cents and they pay dollars. And I wanted to make hundreds or thousands of dollars. And the fastest way for me to do that was to work with a client. So I just started looking on my local Craigslist uh, and, and I found someone saying, hey, I just got this website. I need some SEO help. I was living in France and they had no idea, but we just started having conversation and I landed my first client while I was in France. I had a scheduled trip back home the next week and the client said, yeah, come in and we'll sign everything and I'll hand you a check. And I was like, perfect, I'll be there. Nice. And that was really the start of my journey and it's just been a thousand steps forward since then. That's really cool. I resonate with your story because my journey into the online business and online marketing world was also through search engine optimization uh, like yourself like at least for me it was grad school uh, I took an online course and taught me the fundamentals of SEO and it's like wait a second if this online course is teaching grandmothers how to like outrank these you know big boys in like Google search it's like I, I, I have a shot at this <laughs> I think I can figure this out and so then I did you know and uh, it's 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 amazing how much uh, the world opens up, you know, and, but you've expanded well beyond search engine optimization. What happened next? Yeah. Um, so I started getting more clients, started doing more SEO. And then I, 
you know, in like some of those games like Age of Empires where you're, you're exploring the map, you know, the map's all black and you can only see a tiny little bit and you have to walk out into the fog and then you expose more of the map and you see what's going on. I feel like that was kind of my journey in digital marketing. So I just went on down the SEO rabbit hole, but then you realize you explore more of the map and the website itself is a huge component, a huge piece of real estate that you can, mm. that's, that's tightly coupled and highly connected. Right. And so I started realizing, hey, most of my clients have really bad websites. So I can do all the SEO I want. But if you have a terrible website that isn't clear, isn't convincing, isn't, you know, mobile friendly, doesn't convert, then what's the point? So it started really leading me into things like web development. And that's not something that I necessarily wanted to do or I wasn't a programmer, but I was I've always been a bit of a hacker. So I've always been able to figure it out. And that's something that I've loved. It has been learning new things. So I just went on a journey over the next 10 years of being pulled from one thing to the next thing to the next thing and figuring out what are all of those puzzle pieces that you need to connect to have the full map, the full image of the digital marketing world. And so that led to things like once we've got the website up, you know, can you run Facebook ads? Sure. I'll figure that out. Let's do it. Let's do Facebook ads. All right. How are these ads performing? Let's you know, show me some analytics. Yeah, let's dive down the rabbit hole. Let's go hardcore on the analytics side and slice and dice the segments and and all of the different metrics and look at the trends and and stuff like that. And um, turned into email marketing, turned into the building of the funnels and the sales pages. And so that was, uh, you know, I really sort of went from being that SEO freelancer to being a full service digital marketing agency. And that was very exciting. Got to work with bigger and bigger clients where I wasn't just doing one piece. I started doing three pieces or five pieces or 10 pieces. Mm. Um, and I learned a lot through that experience. It, it was uh, a lot of ups and downs, learning things I'm good at, things I'm not as good at, things I like more and don't like more. Um, but eventually got to the point where I decided, you know, I don't think this is going to be my long-term path mm. in terms of the the focus. It was very undifferentiated. It was very like me too. In the beginning, I thought that was so special and unique just to just to be someone who provided those things because it was maybe a bit rarer in the earlier days of the internet. Now you can find a lot of those people and they're kind of a dime a dozen. So started thinking more about specialization and mm -hmm. what would that look like for me? That is great because you just led into the next thing that I wanted to ask you because we've had a couple of guests on, uh, one in particular that comes to mind, Jude Charles. He has a background in video storytelling, uh, creating documentaries uh, for entrepreneurs and uh, basically uh, people have run out, uh, thought leaders as well. And what's interesting about his business model is that his deliverables have never changed, but his specialization, types of clients that he works with, as well as like the uh, size of the contracts just continue to like skyrocket. So I was curious, because it seems like you took a different path, at least in what you just described, with broadening the product and service suite. Uh, what, why, why, why not? Why didn't you specialize yet up to that point? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was really young, you know, 20, 21, 22, 23, right at the end of college, kind of middle end of college getting out. So I still lacked a lot of experience and I was so interested and curious about everything. That's one of my, my traits is that I can just become very passionate, very obsessed, and very interested in in almost anything because I can find it very interesting. So um, it, I saw it as a great opportunity to learn and grow and get more experience across that whole landscape and go really wide. 
And I think I realized I've never been a super hardcore specialist in any one area of my life. In many ways, in many moments, I envied those people. I wish I was those people. I've always said, you know, I thought to myself at different points, oh, if I could have just been that hardcore programmer that knows those specific languages and specific technologies, it seems like life is so easy for them. You know, get a job anywhere and post a resume and it's so clear. Whereas for me, it's always been a bit more vague, a bit more broad of what is it that you do exactly and who do you serve? And sometimes when you're more of a jack of all trades or a generalist, it can be hard to charge top dollar. And also back in those days, I didn't have all the experience that I do have now. So my my objective was to learn and grow and find my niche and what what do I like to do and want to do most. And I did have a an evolution in that process of uh, similar to, I think, what you just described. So I, I actually met a business partner about maybe six years into that journey, and he introduced me to the world of HubSpot. So mm. he was running an agency, and he said, hey, let's merge up. You've got all the digital marketing skills, but you don't really know anything about HubSpot, and he had some HubSpot experience. So we combined those two things. So we did become more niche and more specialized, focusing on larger contracts, larger B2B companies, but we were still doing all of those same types of services, but it did mm. become a bit more packaged and productized. I have like two thought threads in response to that. I'll see if I can like, I want to dive into like both of them at the same time because this is getting really juicy. Okay. So with HubSpot, what I found is that people who have like a consulting or agency background that then migrate to delivering uh, with HubSpot tends to be less small business going a little bit almost more like mid-market. And maybe even like enterprise. And look, what level yeah. uh, were you planning to serve or did you serve uh, when you decided to do that? Yeah. So before making that switch, I would say I was much more small business, mom and pops, that kind of thing. And then once making the switch into HubSpot, we were mid-market for sure. Mm. So we were probably going after companies more around like the three to five million up to 15, 20, 25 million. Um, maybe even 50 million, but I would say it wasn't large scale enterprise. That is helpful context. And so then for the second thought thread that came from that, that I wanted to dive into out with you, we're talking about, uh, specialization and the thing that I'm super curious about is with the ascent up the value, uh, ladder. Uh, you had an, you, so you specialized down by you know the 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 level of business that you serve. But had you also then narrowed the product slash service offering suite at that point yet, or no? Not really. I would say it was probably right. the same stuff. Yeah. Okay, same stuff. And SEO websites, landing pages, funnels, paid advertising. Yeah. And yeah. So like boutique agency, but for mid market, is that that's right about right? And so, so we're at that point of the journey. If you could go back and tell yourself uh, any advice, knowing everything that you know now, is there anything that you would tell yourself? Yes, I would say become a productized service business mm -hmm. and really pick an outcome pick a transformation that you can get really, really good at delivering over and over again mm. and just get crystal clear and very niche, very specific. So mm. HubSpot was not that. Uh, that. My experience was that 
there was almost no differentiation between us and all of the other HubSpot agencies. Because what I came to to, to discover or, or realize was that we were almost just running the HubSpot playbook. And that playbook looked like you're going to get four blogs per month. You're going to get a new landing mm -hmm. page per month. You're going to get a lead magnet every quarter. We're going to build an email sequence follow-up. And so it's like, wait a minute, I'm looking around and, and the price points are very standardized, you know, five grand a month, 7,500 a month, 10 grand a month. And I look around and all the other HubSpot agencies are doing the exact same thing. And the value comes down to the deliverables. Did you get all of those things on the list? Let me go and look, check, 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 check. Mm. Yep, we did it this month. We succeeded. It's like succeeded in what? <laughs> get delivering the, writing the content and basically and, and publishing it on their website. Yeah. And so- it's not, yeah, it wasn't the kind of um, the catalyst that I was expecting to really go into that next level of growth. And, and I'm not saying all HubSpot agencies are like that. We were fairly inexperienced in that game. We were coming from more traditional marketing worlds. And so that's that was the type of business that we built. It, I, my role only lasted in that about 18 months or so because I could mm -hmm. see that it wasn't going to be the vehicle that I wanted it to be to achieve my dreams and goals. So mm -hmm. ended up parting ways with that and going in a totally different direction, which was going into the online courses world. Mm -hmm. And so uh, had a kind of realization moment of, I've been doing this for almost 10 years. I've seen what this agency life looks like and the business model looks like, get more clients, hire more people, get more clients, hire more people. If you don't want to hire more people, then you're in a sell more hours until you are totally out of hours. And then a big, great opportunity comes along and you're excited about it. And then you're like, ah, I'll squeeze it and I'll make it happen. Mm -hmm. You land that client and you, at the same time, are so excited and so, ah, uh, how am I going to do this and fulfill this and make this happen and successful and not drop all my other clients and, and give them a terrible experience now because I got this one new awesome client. So I just, I felt I was on a hamster wheel and I didn't really see a great way out. I wasn't mm. interested in hiring tons and tons and tons of people, having a big office and doing that kind of thing. Yeah. So an opportunity came along from a potential client who said, hey, we need some SEO help. We've got this local business. We've got all these locations. Mm -hmm. And so I did a couple of those meetings and through those meetings, they realized I knew some stuff. I had some experience. I had some ideas. And so they actually pulled me aside and said, we want to let you in on this little secret. We're working on this special idea here. We think we can create an industry-leading um, online course in the medical field, specifically in the radiology and MRI field, and we need someone to lead this. We need someone to head it up, and you've got all these digital marketing skills and leadership skills and consulting skills. We need someone who knows what to do and can basically tell, tell us what to do. Are you interested in being that person? And I looked at the landscape, looked at the scenario and also where I was in my life. And I wanted a change, a decent change to go from a service business to a, a product, right? And an online digital product, especially. And I said, absolutely. Sign me up. Let's do it. And so that started my next uh, nearly three year run oh, in a, in a years. Yeah, different direction from absolute scratch, um, pre just basically that idea alone, yeah. uh, but nothing else in place. So was an amazing opportunity for me to come in at the ground floor mm -hmm. and to be supported. So it was really kind of a startup within a existing traditional business yeah. where they said, we've got all the content, which is very hard to create in this field of radiology. 
because you actually need to have real human beings inside the MRI machine who have that type of disease or that type of injury that we want to create a course about. And that can be very hard to get. Not everyone can even has access to, to that kind of content to make, but we do. So we have this huge advantage, but we just don't know the internet side of things and the online business side and the online courses side and all of that technology stuff. So I saw it as a, a huge opportunity and I dove, dove headfirst into the deep end. That, I love the level of specialization with that. And, you know, like we've spoken off camera like many, many times, uh, my, you know, I, I come from a family uh, that has quite a few medical professionals in it and I know how much help they need with tech. That's <laughs> <laughs> doctors needing help with tech is not going away anytime soon. I know for sure. <laughs> you know, and we want the doctors to be focused on helping people and not focused on becoming technologists, unless it has something to do with the medical procedure. So um, kudos uh, to you for uh, supporting doctors uh, for my own um, uh, uh, private interests, uh, so to speak. The other slice of that that I related to was just flipping back and looking at my own journey of I think uh, Ryan Dice uh, talks about being like a T-shaped marketer where, you know, you go broad on all of these different skill sets, but you eventually go deep on one to be like be that specialist, but also being in like an integrative discipline to be able to pull together all of these different realms. I had constructed like this informal uh, uh, internship slash MBA program for myself where I was like, oh yeah, I want to get really good at SEO. I want to get really good at copywriting. I want to get good at design and just like, what's the stack? you know, to be like this full stack marketer, uh, basically. And then I think I got out of the, I want to learn, 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 learn more. And bes behind this camera, like there's, I've got bookshelves and bookshelves and bookshelves, but then I got into this uh, phase of wanting to just implement and really just own the result um, yeah. and have an impact. You know, and I think learning is great. Uh, but then like, I think every, I think this happens to like most consultants and just people who are performance driven. It's like at the end of the day, uh, what's the impact? If you look back on it, what good did you do in the world? And so like, I really appreciate, you know, just the journey that you've been on and the relentless focus that you've also had on being able to create results. And also what I've seen and heard is doing it in a way that's in alignment with your values. You know, which for everybody that's listening in is really important. You know, it's like our folks tend to really not want to get the golden handcuffs situation. You know, it's like you're getting paid a lot, but, you know, and it's 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 so much money that you don't want to leave, you know, but it's not quite your heart's not fully in it. And maybe growth has started to plateau. And so I would love to hear more about what happened after uh, that 18 month sprint where you were helping to grow this product, because I know there's much more to this story. Yeah. So after that point, I realized that my career had really been around building and doing for everyone else, right? That's the life of a consultant, right? You're brought in to fix someone else's business and to, mm -hmm. to build things for them. And what I'd realized is you know, we, we all have different ways of charging for our work and charging for our service. You can charge a flat fee. You can charge a performance-based thing. You could take equity. Like there's just on and on and on different ways of doing it. You could charge hourly, right? And probably not the best way to go about it, but a lot of us start there and then we increase it and then we find different ways to become more profitable. But at the end of the day, you're usually still just receiving a very small portion of the value that you're creating. 
Mm. And for me, there was always just this itch, this desire to become more of a fully, I don't know, self-expressed entrepreneur where I'm actually building a product. I'm building the company that I own and not just building it for someone else. Yeah. So there was just always that dream, always that goal, that, that, that itch of, am I ever going to get to the point where I am doing my own thing? Right. Um, cause a lot of times let's say you have 10 clients. Well, that also feels like you have 10 bosses, right. And you're building <laughs> 10 people's 10 relatable. Company. Um, and so you can do work, especially in the digital marketing world. Let's say you write a sales letter, that sales letter, uh, maybe previously they had a, a 1% conversion rate. Let's say you just knock it out of the park and you have a 5% conversion rate. You know, you five X what they were able to do. And then if you bring a lot of traffic to it, that could generate tens of millions of dollars, right? Or more, who knows? And so it's going to be hard to be able to charge millions of dollars to write a sales letter. Some people are able to get there maybe by the end of their careers, but very few and far between. Whereas you build a business, you build a company and the value that you're able to create seems to have almost no bounds and, and no limits. Mm. So after that journey of about 10 years of running an agency and consulting and then going in-house, I decided that I wanted to specialize even further continue in this direction of online courses and online learning and build my own my own company. So mm. that's really the new chapter that I'm in today, which started a little over two years ago. I moved to Mexico. I had our first child and I started a brand new company. Thank you. And a productized service company in the online courses, coaching and community niche. And so that's what I'm doing today. And I I had to make the very scary decision to cut off 99% of all opportunities and all mm. options of, and everything I'm known for in my network and online and say, from now on, I do one thing. Yep. I build world-class online learning communities. And, and so really it became this, uh, this dichotomy in my mind. I saw this, this fork in the road of online courses from their, from their conception until a few years ago have been basically just video-based. On an LMS, you log in, you watch the series of videos, a playlist, if you will, and that's it. And the content might be really good. The information might be really great. You might be able to complete it and to implement it and to get the success. But the sad part is these courses have been around for so long. There have been lots of studies on how this works and what type of results and success come out of these sort of courses and products. And the results are that it's very, very low. The success rate, the completion rate is very, very low. We're talking typically single digits, 1%, 2%, 3%. And that was very sad to me. That was very, you know, like disheartening that an expert pours their heart and soul into a product because they want to share what they've learned. They want to help the world. They want to allow other people maybe in other countries who could never have access to them or be able to afford uh, working with them the opportunity to be able to achieve that same level of success or transformation. And the reality is, you know, 90 plus percent of them never will, even though they had that desire and that goal when they signed up for those programs, because they're, they're fundamentally designed in a way that is very difficult to integrate and to consume and to assimilate in our modern world that is so noisy and so busy and so distracting. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really recognize this paradigm shift that was happening in the online course world, which was the foundation was moving away from the LMS and the stack of videos, and it was moving into the community as the as the home base and as the foundation. Mm -hmm. 
So you go from being totally isolated, thinking I might be the only person in the whole world that's signed up for this thing and who's watching these videos. There's no real way to get help. There's no way to see what everybody else is doing. I, I maybe can email the instructor. Maybe they're going to get back to me, but there's no promise. To now I'm over here and I'm hanging out with people every day who we're all on the same journey. We're all on the same mission. We want that goal and that outcome that we signed up for. We're helping each other. We're asking questions. And the instructor is showing up to support us on that journey. Mm. And when I just looked at those two differences, it just became so obvious to me that mm. one way is the is the future and the other way is the past. And I think we're seeing that with the commoditization of content and of courses and video and training because it's heavily information-based or almost exclusively yeah. information. And we can go to YouTube and access an infinite amount of information. And I, there, there's a quote, I think it's, uh, if information were to solve all of our problems, well, we would already be rich and have six packs and be in perfect health because we've got Google and YouTube. Mm. So there's something else missing there besides just the information. Mm. I have many thoughts uh, in response to that. It's... You and I grew up in the information age, and it feels as though we're leaving the information age and going into the intelligence age. Uh, not just artificial intelligence, but also human intelligence. And information by itself uh, is not intelligent. Uh, intelligence uh, implies that there is a sequence of actions to achieve a particular outcome, usually on some sort of timeline. And information doesn't usually provide that because information can't talk to us. It can't provide context. We can't provide it context and it doesn't provide us context on our unique situation. We're usually wanting some kind of more customized roadmap for us to be able to get to where it is that we want to go. And the other thing that this uh, maps to is uh, Jay Abraham's Four Steps to Greatness. Uh, are you familiar by any chance? No. Okay. So says so step one. Uh, you need to get clear on what greatness is for you specifically. Step two, you need to get a roadmap for greatness. You got to know the steps to be able to get to wherever great is in whatever form that looks like for you in whichever area of life it is, whether it's health, wealth, or love. Step three, you need to actually start the journey. You need to have the courage to be able to go out of the comfort zone to get into the growth zone. Step four, you need to stay the course. None of it matters if you don't actually cross the finish line. And this is where I think communities really come in. Communities can actually help provide a bit of the roadmap because we have all these different examples for how it is that we want to get to where it is that we want to go. Uh, it can also inspire us to start the journey. Oh, we don't have to go it alone, you know, and then stay in the course. Hey, you know, communities are ultimately groups of friends. And what do friends do? Friends help to celebrate when times are going good. That encourages you to keep moving forward and move forward even faster. And then when times are down, like friends help you to get back up. They help you to stay the course, whether times are good or bad. And communities are new friendships often in the making with a bunch of people that have a shared goal. Like that's how you look at it. And that's been my life experience as well. So I'm really, I think it's really cool that uh, you're helping to create those kinds of places. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that with me. That I have not heard that before, and that is so clear uh, to me in my mind of how communities tick each of those boxes mm -hmm. and how old-school courses almost don't tick hardly any of them. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they give you the clarity of this is how I did it, this is what you need to do, these are the steps, but in terms of starting, uh, that can be very, very difficult. It's easy to sit there and watch the videos. You can feel like, hey, I'm making progress, I'm learning, learning is great, I'm smarter now, but has anything changed in the world? No, you haven't put anything into, into practice yet. You haven't started implementing. And we can feel like we understand advanced concepts when we listen to an expert teach it to us and we nod our heads and go, yeah, that makes sense. I understand that. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. But now when it's your turn to actually go do it by yourself, like take that first step, write that first sales copy or set up that website or, or whatever it might be, that's when all the, the questions come in. That's when all the the confusion or all the doubt, or am I doing this right? Or it's not exactly what it looked like when they showed me how they did it. So I don't know if, if I'm, you know, should continue on this path. And, mm -hmm. and so staying the course, I think is one of the biggest benefits to the community, because what I'm realizing is, um, a lot of these programs that we sign up for the, we're looking for transformations. We're not actually just looking for the information, right? Mm -hmm. You're not looking just for what's the right diet and what's the right exercise. No, what you're actually looking for is 10 pounds less and being able to see visible abs. That's what we want. And so you might be able to learn the information required in a day, but it might take you the, the, the next 364 days of actually practicing and implementing that information to actually get the result. And so if you quit after a month, then you may have been a, a student who completed the course. Like if mm -hmm. we go into the analytics and we say, yep, they watched every video and they filled out the form, that's a successful student. But they didn't stay the course long enough to get the results and the transformations. Mm -hmm. And the bigger the transformation that we want, the longer it's going to take. And that's where I think community becomes that X factor of mm -hmm. are you actually going to be able to sustain and stay engaged and stay motivated and get through those hard points and defeat the resistance because we are all going to face that resistance. And so the ways that I'm seeing programs supporting their students through a combination of live calls, you know, weekly events, monthly events, DMs, check-ins, support groups, the community at large, those types of things are able to hit us in different places at different times when we need them most and can really be the difference of the person disengaging for the last time and never coming mm -hmm. back. They maybe aren't consciously like, I'm giving up and I'm never coming back, but we all know there is the last time that you logged into that website and then, oh yeah, that was six months ago. I forgot about that program. Mm -hmm. it, ju it just kind of evaporates. So that could be the difference of that type of person versus the person who who gets pulled back in and says, you know what, I committed to this thing and I'm going to see it through and these people are going to help me do that. Mm. I now want to play devil's advocate because yes. <laughs> I have, I, I, I can hear one of like my PhD friends like uh, listening in and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's true if it's that scenario, but what about, you know, so, okay, I have to address this, right? Because they would have been listening into this and they would have heard earlier on in this conversation where both you and I took online courses. Uh, at least yeah. mine didn't have a huge community attached to it. And I was actually a little less involved in the community and I was able to create a very powerful outcome. And I'm imagining that it might be the same for you as well. 
And I think we will fall into this category of autodidacts, you know, self-directed learners, you know, where it's like, hey, for the right kind of subject material that we're super interested in, we will just go hard on it. We won't even attend the class. Just give us the textbook and we'll just like go through. But then I've also found that in other areas where maybe I'm not as strong, that's where coaching and the community really comes in handy for me to be able to make the progress as opposed to me wallowing in the textbook, knocking my head against the proverbial wall, wondering why it is that I can't make progress. And so I think there might be a space for uh, segmenting down by the type of learner that we know that we are and what our learning needs are, depending on whatever the topic it is that we are trying to improve at, to then decide, do we need more of a community for us to be able to make progress in this area versus do we need more of like a structured curriculum for us to be able to fill potential capability gaps that we have to be able to make progress? And maybe we need a perfect mix of both. Mm. It's a great point. And I've thought about that that as well, because you're right. I have used online courses to absolutely change my life. Um, several, several of them got me my start in freelancing and starting a business and learning these different, um, you know, SEO skills and things like that. I think courses that would be most successful that are auto, you just kind of old school courses as I'm calling them, just the videos are going to be much more tactical courses. Mm. So for example, video editing, maybe, you know, video editing in Premiere Pro. This is how you open it up. This is how you set up your edits, edits. Here's how you do your cuts. These are the shortcuts that you should use. These are some best practices. Maybe here's a template or here's some type of pack that you can install that's going to help you do it faster and better. But it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty black and white. And I think a checklist style type of course, those I believe would would still work in that format, especially if you have the right motivation, like you are a video editor or you're trying to be a video editor. And it's immediately practical and there's not a whole lot of gray area in that. Mm. However, let's say you have a similar course on how to start a video editing business and grow it to $100,000 a month in revenue. It's going to be more strategic. It's going to tell you things that you cannot immediately do, right? Position yourself this way, go and get these type of clients build these types of uh, portfolio pieces or, or hire a team to do these things. Well, you're listening, you're absorbing, but then as soon as you go to start doing those things, it's going to be very challenging because of how many shades of gray and how many options there are to actually going and implementing that. Mm. Those are the types of programs that are going to have a much longer timeline on them, mm. but they're going to be so much more valuable and the transformation is so much bigger. And I think community is going to be pivotal to the success of those type of programs, mm -hmm. I would say that they would be almost impossible to achieve or for a very, very small percentage of people if you were just watching an old school course. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. And I've actually seen that quite a bit uh, with my own clients because many people come to me when they're trying to go from tactical to a more strategic uh, course. Uh, basically, and some of those, like that comes up, like strategy uh, is, it's very helpfully taught uh, with the help of a coach or a consultant and or community as well. And it also made me think of a third scenario that affects this, uh, which is behavioral psychology. 
You know, it's when the more the more of an identity shift or belief shift that needs to occur for someone to be able to have the transformation that they are wanting to have in their life is the harder it's going to be for them to do it with just curriculum. Like yes. typically there's a human element that is necessary yes. for self-actualization, transcendence, growth, contribution, whatever the case may be, uh, for us to be able to unlock that next level because there's a lot of unknown unknowns, not just in the strategy, but also just even with our own belief system that's blocking us from being able to execute on something or to be able to have success with it. And we don't know how we might be self-sabotaging in invisible ways or underperforming in invisible ways. That has been the most fascinating thing for me and my own learning journey as well, where it's like, oh, why didn't I thought this was the problem, but it turns out that this is the problem. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up. I'm so glad you brought this up because this is the missing piece. I don't think you used this word. You used identity, which is exactly it. It's also described a lot of times as mindset, right? Yes. Mindset is the buzzword. And so I work with a lot of high-end courses, a high-ticket uh, coaching and course programs hosted inside of a community. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of very interesting psychology around high ticket programs because you could find almost the same thing, the same information taught in an old school course for $99. But my client who's running a copywriting program, for example, teaching you how to go from zero to one, maybe you're a nine to five employee, you don't work in marketing or copy, they will teach you the skill of copywriting. Then they will teach you the business side of how to mm -hmm. go and find clients to sell that to so now you are your own boss. You're the own master of your destiny. Where do you want to take it? Do you want it to be a nights and weekends side hustle kind of thing? Great. Mm. Do you want to start, you know, be a full-time freelancer? Great. You want to grow into an agency and hire people? The sky's the limit. But it's a $6,000 program. So mm. it's an investment. And they don't talk about this, but one of the first things they do is they will immediately dive into your mindset. Because especially if you are not yet an entrepreneur, you're not yet out in the wilderness on your own, used to hunting and you know doing that kind of thing to survive, like all of us know as, as entrepreneurs, you're in the nine to five world where mm -hmm. the paycheck just shows up magically every two weeks, right? Just auto deposit, whether you worked a whole lot those last two weeks or not. And so there's so many things that you're just not yet accustomed to in your own mindset, in your own identity, of what it looks like to, for instance, set your pricing and go tell a client, this is how much it costs. This is how much it's worth. This is the value. Well, how do you, you know, how, how do you know? You've never done it before or you don't have the experience or you can't point to hundreds of clients. Yep. So those types of things, especially just around money, I mean, we could talk money psychology forever, but those are the types of things that get people hung up. And you can't just have a video that says, okay, charge $100 per blog post. And then after you've done 10 of them, charge $200 per blog post. Like that's just, it, it's not how it works. And we can't, I don't think just absorb that as humans and run with it because it's going to start to confront our identity and, yeah. and all of these things inside of us about our self-worth and our value and our uniqueness and not good enough and on and on and on. So those are actually the hidden things within these programs that can be the roadblocks to achieving the transformation and the outcome, but it's the unlock as well. And so I'm just seeing more and more with the clients that I'm dealing with that they sell the transformation, they sell the outcome, the copywriting, 
and then they sneak in the medicine that you actually need, mm-hmm. which is the identity and the mindset. Yeah, sneak in the vitamins with the ice cream. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the way to do it. Sometimes the only way to do it. I right. am curious. What has been the most surprising thing to you in helping people build uh, communities around mm-hmm. their courses? Good question. The most surprising thing. Hmm. Or what's one thing that you wish people spoke about, but they don't for whatever reason? I think it's just something around value and pricing. So we all have the same time in the day, right? We all, um, you know, you can take someone with 20 years of experience and they pour it all into a book and they sell it for $10. Yeah. Um, Versus someone can sit down and say, okay, I'm going to build this program and I'm going to help people learn it and execute it and implement it. And that's going to be $9,000 per year. Some people might be shocked and say, that is so much money. That is insane. No one would ever pay that. Um, That's ridiculous. How could I justify that? I would be so ashamed and embarrassed. Like I'm ripping people off, right? Like all these types of things. And then you can also look at it and say, well, in in the real world of successful high ticket training education programs, that might even be on the low side, right? There's mm-hmm. 10, 15, $25,000 programs, $50,000 yeah. programs. And and these even, it almost seems that as you go higher and higher, it's less about the information because they start to become masterminds where it's like, there is no course, there is no content. Yeah. You're just hanging with all of us because if you get one thing out of it, that $50,000 investment is going yeah. to turn into $500,000 guaranteed, easy, uh, minimum, and so you're not even going to blink an eye and you're going to renew next year for another $50,000 mastermind year. And and so I just love that aspect of value has no limit mm-hmm. and finding people who who believe in that and, and who sign up for that and then being able to serve them and do it in a way that is scalable and has leverage so mm-hmm. that you as the expert are able to have immense impact and influence in people's lives, but it can still be in an intimate way, right? This might be a group of 10 people or 25 people. That's not that many people. We see online on social media, oh, this person has 60,000 followers or 600,000 followers. And there's so much difference in a free follower on social media versus someone who is in your private community who's paying to have access to you and learn from you and get feedback and advice from you. And that's just something that I've really been blown away by in the last few years as I've worked with seven and eight and nine figure entrepreneurs who have adopted this model and who have just become very, very successful at learning how to scale and leverage that while increasing the price, increasing the value, their students are happier and more successful. And then they're happier and more successful as the business owner. That's cool. I would love to continue peppering you with questions, but I also know that you have the hard stuff coming up and I want to be respectful of your time and all of the value that you just, knowledge bombs that you've been dropping. And so I only have like two more quick rapid fire questions. And these may be the hardest questions I've asked you oh. so far. Uh, and the first one, uh, prepare yourself, is if you were stuck on a desert island with one dessert for one week, 
Which one would you pick and why? <laughs> well, this is a bit of a recent discovery in my life, actually. Mm. Uh, and it's in the haagen world. Mm. And so that's never been a huge thing for me, but the discovery has been Cherry Garcia. <laughs> that's very specific. <laughs> it is very specific. And I don't know if you've had Cherry Garcia, but it is, it is objectively, it is the number one best flavor, best ice cream in the entire world. It's got the cherries, it's got the vanilla, the chocolate chunks in there. So you will go through that much faster than you think when you're not mm. paying attention and just eating cherry garden. That's, that, that's great. Uh, that was the softball question, which leads up to the harder of the two questions. Let's go. If you had to choose between chocolate chip cookies or oatmeal raisin, where do you stand? You were not joking. <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to come up with some cheeky third option of like a half and half cookie. <laughs> I, I don't think there's an answer there. That's just a lose-lose situation. Either either one, or maybe it's a win-win situation. Yeah, they're both uh, phenomenal. Great. All right, so you heard it here first, everyone. Jordan is inclusive. He's cookie inclusive. <laughs> That's right. I don't discriminate. <laughs> Equal opportunity cookies. Um, I love it. Um, so... Before we go, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, you can check out my website, growthcommunity.co, and you can follow me online, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, at Jordan Godby. Nice. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Pleasure. All right. Clip it there. Sweet. Hey, thanks for checking out the show. If you liked it, go ahead and hit the like button and also subscribe so you don't miss another one. It also tells us which ones that you like the most so that we can then do more interviews like that. If you want to go from idea to implementation, though, especially if you're wanting to productize your expertise so that you can scale your impact on your clients and, of course, grow your business, then join our email list. There we're going to talk about how modern consultants can productize their expertise so that they can have a greater impact on the world around them and live life on their terms. If that's up your alley, I hope to see you on the other side. Talk soon.